Talk Radio's red-headed stepchild. Solace Radio. We go where no talk radio has gone before. Prepare. It's not breaking news. At least I pray it's not. That we're living in a very unique, trying, and chaotic times. Pandemics, civil and social unrest, rioting. The economy is close to breaking. America is currently engaged in a biological cyber and trade war with China. We still face constant threats from Islamic terrorism. The weather, the planet are experiencing unusual climatic patterns. Tsunamis, earthquakes, volcanic eruptions, hurricanes, and even higher incidences of tornadoes. All the while, Israel, the apple of God's eye, is on the brink of war over annexation of land that belongs to Israel anyways. The worldview is certainly worrisome and troubling. Yet the writer of Ecclesiastics states in Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9, What has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. As subjects of the Most High God of Israel, the Great I Am, the Aleph and Tav, the Alpha and the Omega, the El Shaddai, panics, War, riots, famines, recessions, rumors of war, storms, earthquakes, volcanoes, and terrorists should not and will not make us fear, tremble, or panic. What has been done is done. Are we in the end days? Are we in that time? Is this it? Maybe yes, maybe no. Either way, amongst us in the greater body of Messiah, there shouldn't be fear, panic, or hysteria. Yeshua told us in great detail about these end days so that we'd be prepared, not caught off guard or fearful. Listen, I know there are those who disagree, who speak against preparation. Those who even laugh, oh, you guys, you're some kind of preppers or something. I know those who say, well, my trust is in the Lord. Yet we will see numerous biblical examples of the critical importance of preparing. God prepares those who have trust and follow Him. In Matthew 24, verses 21 through 31, and I'll read this a little bit slow. These are the words of Yeshua. He said, for there will be trouble. Flips this in the, in the Greek, which is oppression, affliction, tribulation, distress, persecution, and trouble. That's a handful. In other words, what Yeshua is telling us, it's going to be bad. It's going to get real bad. I've said this several times in the, in the last three months. We're just in the beginning stages. We're not going to get through this and get back to normal. There's no normal as you knew it ever again. For there will be trouble that worse than there was ever been from the beginning of the world until now. And there will be nothing like it again. Indeed, if the length of this time had not been limited, no one would survive. But for the sake of those who have been chosen, its length will be limited. At that time, if someone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe him. For there will appear false messiahs and false prophets performing great miracles, amazing things, so as to fool even the chosen, the elect of God, if possible. He says, there, I told you in advance. He has told us in advance. So 
So if people say to you, listen, he's out in the desert, don't go, verse 26. Look, he's hidden away in a secret room, don't believe it. Verse 27, for when the Son of Man does come, it will be like lightning that flashes out of the east and fills the sky to the western horizon. Wherever there's a dead body, that's where you'll find the vultures. You know, that's a phenomenal statement. Because I don't want to paint too broad of a brushstroke here, but a significant portion of the greater body of Messiah is dead. And where the dead are, you find the vultures picking on the carrion. False prophets, false word, false teachers. Verse 28, but immediately following the trouble of those times, the sun will grow dark, the moon will stop shining, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in heaven will be shaken. Then, verse 30, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the tribes of the land will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with tremendous power and glory. And he will send out his angels with a great shofarim, and they will gather together his chosen people from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Yeshua gave us great detail how these final days will unfold with great tribulation, oppression, distress, and trouble. But his purpose in sharing this isn't to instill fear or panic in us. Yeshua shared the end times with us so that we would be prepared and ready. Where the dead body is, that's where the vultures, the false prophets are at. We have both today in the greater body of Messiah in abundance. Prepare us to make ready beforehand for some purpose, use, or activity, to put in a proper state of mind. Prepare in Hebrew is kun, which is to prepare, preparation, provision, be stable, firm, trust, to be established. We are in a state of preparation both physically and spiritually. Probably many of you have seen this already, the pastor from Kentucky that had the dreams. If you've seen this, it's all over social media. He had dreams about what was going to happen in the spring with COVID-19 and the rioting. He's seen some things uh, that are somewhat troubling for September, October, and November, particularly September and November. His name is Pastor Dan from Kentucky. Go on social media, Google it. It's had like 8 million views already. The guy's pretty humble. He says, listen, I, I've just, I'm going to share the dream with you. You take it for what it is. If it comes to pass, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And what's interesting is the main thrust of what he was saying was to prepare to get ready. He talked about financial collapse. One of the things that caught my attention is I saw this back in June, and one of the first things he said there would be a shortage of coins of change. Now we, it was on the evening news this evening. The shortage of coins. I'm not saying the guy's right. I'm not putting all my eggs in that basket, but it's got my attention. Paying attention. He says it's time to put up provision, ammunition to defend yourself, have gold, silver, some cash at hand. We've been saying this for eight years here. But what really tweaked me was as soon as he came out with this, there was an avalanche against this guy. And I'm not going to name names up here, but you know them. Every major prophetic voice across the country, jumped on a bandwagon to trash this guy, to tear him down, to debunk everything that he said, and then one or two of them then went on to start trashing Jonathan Kahn. He's got nothing to do with this. That really got my attention, because all these prophetic voices, hey, where was their warning last August and September? Why do we hear from them that, hey, Buckle down and get ready, because you can't find toilet paper in March. Where, where was that voice? 
What does the word say? How will you know it's a true prophet? Because what they say comes to pass. So all those voices that railed against it, I discounted every one of them right off the bat. Null and void. But what I will do is reconcile many of the points he made to Scripture. Yeshua shares the end times with us so that we would be prepared and ready. We're in that state of preparation right now. I believe these have been training scenarios for us in the last ten years. We talk about this in the office incessantly. When Hurricane Isabel came here, remember that? Remember Isabel? That was our first direct hit in, I don't know, what, a hundred years or something, you know, compared to what happens in the floor in the Caribbean, this, you know, this was like a thunderstorm. But it was bad for us. Trees down, maybe we didn't have power for 30 or 40 days. We didn't have electricity for two weeks. And i got to be honest with you, I thought we was ready. Had me a little generator, had some gas, enough to run a light bulb, a TV, and a refrigerator. It's purring out back, you know. I don't know if you remember, after that hurricane, it was hot. Mercy, it was hot. You could not get enough fans blowing on you. And that week after that hurricane, it was hot, humid. Can't have one without the other, right? But we found out in that stressful time, right then and there, within the first four or five days, there was only one gas station open down here at Jefferson and Oyster Point. It used to be called Reenies. I think it's closed right now. People were in line to get gas. And by day four of this, they were stabbing people in line because somebody cut them off in line for gas. And I thought, wow. Then we had Katrina a few years later. We thought Isabel was bad. For the first time in history, we saw foreign troops on American soil rendering aid after Katrina. 30 days of no police. Still, hundreds of murders left unresolved. People weren't ready. I wasn't ready in 2003. I thought I was ready. In 2005, I learned, well, I'm not ready. So the Lord began speaking. We started heavily pushing into this because we know, listen, even if it's not in the next five months or five years, the Word says you're going to see how this unfolds in the Word. We must be ready. And so after this time, after 15 years, Rabitz and I, we're pretty ready. We're pretty good to go. Who'd have thought? You know, when this happened, I've shared this before, we had cases of toilet paper and paper towel. We're ready to go. Food, no worry. Who'd have thought you couldn't get hand sanitizer or Lysol spray? Who could have conceived? I still don't understand why you can't get Lysol spray, but that's, that's another message. Somebody's getting something somewhere. That plant's working 24-7, seven days a week, putting out Lysol spray. Where in the world's it going? Yeshua gave a parable about preparation. And the first one I want to talk about tonight is the ten bridesmaids, which I, I've spoken of several times in the last several years. But it's a slightly different twist on it here this evening. In Matthew 25, verses 1 and 2, it says, The kingdom of heaven at that time will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps, lampus in the Greek, which means light, their flame, or their lantern, and they went out to meet the groom. Ten bridesmaids, ten is the hand of God. We know this is dealing with the end times. It's the return of Yeshua. Five of them were foolish, moros in the Greek, which foolish, stupid, godless, impious, not showing respect or reverence for God. That's the root word for moron, a term that became very prevalent in the 80s, moron. Everyone's calling each other morons. It's from this word, moros. So, Ten bridesmaids, groom coming, got their lamps, got the light, and they're going out to meet the groom. But five of them were foolish. Five of them were sensible or wise. So Yeshua, in speaking this parable, ten bridesmaids, ten is Yod in Hebrew. It means the hand of God. They went out to meet the returning bridegroom, who we know is Yeshua. 
And I actually spoke about this a little bit last Yom Kippur, which is key to this. I want to refresh this parable as there's a specific point I want to focus upon this evening. Like the seven or Sheva Messianic congregations in the book of Revelation, their light, their flame also represents the presence of God with them. Remember what Yeshua said to them, if you don't do this and repent, I will remove that flame. I'll remove my presence from you. David's prayer, oh God, don't take your presence from me. But of these ten, five or morons, five are wise. So these bridesmaids in totality represent the greater body of Messiah who are awaiting the groom. We're awaiting for Yeshua's return. This gives better statistics in the parable than what's actually happening today. Because Yeshua said it'd be 50-50. I don't think it's that high. I think there's, there's a way higher amount of moros and a lot less of the sensible, the wise. But in verse 3 of Matthew 25, the foolish ones took lamps. They took the vessels with them, but no oil. Eleon, which means oil to light the lamps, oil to heal the sick, oil to anoint. And get this, provisions, items of commerce that you purchase. So we've got dual meanings here. It does and can mean oil to light a lamp, but it also means provisions, items of commerce. What are we preparing with? Items of commerce, provisions. Whereas the others took flasks, verse 4, agion, which means a vessel, a receptacle, a pail, or a reservoir of oil in their lamps. Now the bridegroom was late, so they all went to sleep. Kathudo, which means to sleep, to be spiritually dead, to yield to sloth and sin, to be indifferent to salvation. So the bad news is even the wide ones are slumbering, not fully awakened this. This parable about the bride, servants of Adonai, have gone out to meet the groom Yeshua. The wise ones had their lamps with oil, or as we read, they had pails or vessels with provisions. The sensible ones chose to be prepared and ready for the groom's return. The five wise bridemaids had provisions. They were ready. Even though they slept, they were prepared. Even though the groom tarries, they remained ready, keeping the presence and provision of God with them. Yeshua wants us to stay alert, to keep watch, to be prepared, to remain awake, to be attentive, not become apathetic and complacent. The day of his return will spring upon us like a thief in the night, he says. We cannot become dulled or unprepared as five did. These last five or six months have been an incredible Wake-up call for the body of Messiah, because most of them were ill-prepared, spiritually, physically, and financially. Matthew 25, verses 6 through 10. It was the middle of the night when the cry rings out, the bridegroom is here. No man knows the hour or the day. But when you least expect it, it's going to happen. Even ourselves, i, I got to admit I was shocked. We've been talking about this for ten years. And you wake up one morning, it's really happening. It's really unfolding before our very eyes. It will be the same way when the shout goes out, the bridegroom is here. Go out to meet him. The girls all woke up and they trimmed. Cosmeo to put an order to arrange to make ready to prepare. When you start breaking this apart into Greek, there's so many... Ways that this could go. And none of them are wrong. None of them are all completely right. But it makes you ponder and stop to think, wait a minute, what, what's really being revealed here to us? Vessels of preparation for provisions. They're told to go out, they wake up, they trim. But it can mean they make ready, they prepare their lamps. 
The foolish ones said to the sensible ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both you and us. Go to the oil dealers and buy some for yourselves. What are we doing? We're back to this articles of commerce. You have to go purchase provisions. They're not ready. Verse 10, but as they were going off to buy, they're going to take care. Now, see, it's too late to prepare once you're in the middle of a crisis. It's too late. So as they're going off to buy, the bridegroom came. Those who were ready, prepared, ready, had oimos in the Greek, went with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Five got in, five did not get in. But yet they're all part of the bride. This should really make you ponder. Five were not ready for the groom's return. They were unprepared. They were without provision. They were not postured spiritually or physically for his return. They had no provisions, no oil for the light, healing, or anointing. This parable can be viewed in so many ways. Yet its core fundamental understanding and meaning, Yeshua relates the importance of having provisions and being prepared, being ready for his return. Not going to the store for provisions when the shofar sounds. It's too late then. The five who were unprepared went off to purchase what they needed, and they miss it. They, there's, there's no second go-around in this, Ms. Pocah. You don't get a second or third chance. You either make the first string the first time, or you're not in forever. When they returned, the door was shut. It was too late to prepare and get provisions after he returns. Proverbs 21, verse 20 says, Precious treasures and oil are in a wise person's dwelling. But a foolish person devours all he has. We have numerous other biblical examples of preparing and obtaining provisions before Adonai moves and interjects his will among humankind. There's another one in Genesis 6, starting at verse 5. Adonai saw that the people on earth were very wicked, and that all the imaginings of their heart were always of evil only. Do I think every person on this earth today has an evil heart? No. Is the number that do growing? Substantially. Verse 6, Adonai regretted that he had made humankind on the earth. It grieved his heart. What a horrible statement. Verse 7, Adonai said, I will wipe out all humankind whom I have created from the whole earth. And not only human beings, but animals, creeping things, birds in the air. For I regret that I ever made them. But. But. Noah found grace in the sight of Adonai. Adonai sees that the people on the earth are very wicked and evil. So much that he regrets creating us. And he decides to destroy the entire creation. Not just us. Everything. But what a powerful conjunction. One person who interjects himself into the narrative and shifts history. But! But! Noah found grace in the sight of Adonai. So much so that Adonai discusses his plan of judgment with Noah. God said to Noah in verse 13, The end of all living beings has come before me, for because of them the earth is filled with violence. And I will destroy them along with the earth. Do you know that's the purpose for the end time judgment? 
Why is all this coming? If you read Ezekiel, read Daniel, read Revelation, it's for the same exact reason it was here almost 5,000 years ago. What do we read in the beginning? There's nothing new on the earth. He said, the end of all living beings has come before me, for because of them the earth is filled with violence, and I will destroy them along with the earth. Verse 14, he said, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. You are to make the ark with rooms and cover it with pitch, both outside and inside. Now let's pause here for a second. I always, I always love this story. It had never rained until the great flood. It had never rained. Think about it. It had never rained. So the Lord's telling him stuff no one has ever seen before, ever. He's telling him to make an ark. What's an ark? Who knows? you got to understand, he doesn't completely comprehend as this is happening before him. Why didn't Adam and I just, poof, make the ark himself? He's God. Why didn't he provide a single mountain high enough to escape the floodwaters Noah could have just shepherded the animals and his family there and waited out the flood. They're all viable, plausible options, but God instead chose to include Noah into his plans, which is what he wants to do with you. God can do this himself, but he wants the relationship with his creation. He wants to do it with us. He wants us involved. God gives him very distinct plans and tells him to prepare for what's coming and what he's going to do on all the earth. Noah, he's building this ark in plain view of everyone around him, preparing for coming judgment. And this stands as a testimony to all who saw what was what Adonai was about to do. This thing's almost the size of an aircraft carrier. You didn't live anywhere around Noah and not see this thing being built. This wasn't a mystery. It stood as a testimony to everyone who saw it. What Adonai was about to do, and I'm positive that Noah was criticized, that he was laughed at. Look at that buffoon. What in the world is he building? I don't know. Sure taking a lot of his time. How's he ever get to watch TV? How's he update his social media if he's working on this art thing all the time? But yet, he persisted and he prepared. Unfortunately, that evil and wicked generation paid no attention. Adonai gave specific instructions to Noah for the ark's design and construction. And as the story unfolds, Adonai instructs Noah, wait for it. He instructs him to collect provisions and stores for the imminent crisis. Genesis 6.21, and also take from all kinds of food that are eaten and collect it for yourself. It is to be food food for you and for them. He had enough provision for him, for his sons, their wives, multiple pairs of all these clean and unclean animals. That's some provision. You think you've got stuff in your garage. Like the five bridesmaids who were prepared with oil, with provisions, Adonai also instructed Noah to prepare to have provisions to get him, his family, and all these animals through the flood. Through Noah's covenant relationship with Adonai, he is prepared. He's collected enough provisions to save himself, his sons, their wives. Yeshua profoundly shared in Matthew 24, get this, that his return would be just like in the days of Noah. 
He made a direct connection to this in Matthew 24. He said people go about their daily lives and routines mindless and unprepared until the day Noah entered that ark. They didn't know what was happening and the flood swept them away. And you'd think one of these cats would have come over. Moses, what is this thing? What's this all about? God's bringing judgment. God? Judgment? What's this about? Because all they had to do was get on that ark. The water was judgment that swept away the evil. The ark lifted to salvation. It floated on the judgment. And Yeshua said in the end, it will be just like those days. Until the flood came, and they were all swept away. Yeshua said in Matthew 24, verse 44, that we must always be ready and prepared because He will return when we're not expecting it. Shaul Paul said in 1 Timothy 5, verse 8, Moreover, anyone who does not provide for his own people, especially for his family, has disowned the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Provide for his people and his family. We start to see a collective understanding of the Kehela standing together and doing this as a unified body. And why is this so important? Being ready, being alert, being prepared with provisions in crisis is an amazingly supernatural, powerful witness to those who don't know Yeshua. Being ready is not a disengaging from humanity and hiding in your spider hole until this thing has passed. We're to be about our Father's business, sharing the good news. We're to be the ambassadors of reconciliation, to bring the salvation of Yeshua to those who don't have it or know it yet. We are told to be intercessors, to intercede with our brothers and sisters in food and clothing, because acts of kindness open eyes of blindness. James 2, starting at verse 14, he said, What good is it, my brothers, if someone claims to have faith, but has no actions to prove it? There's a lot of people that profess faith, but their actions don't match their words. Is such faith able to save him, he questions. Verse 15, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. And someone says to him, Shalom, keep warm and eat hearty. Without giving him what he needs, what good does it do? Thus, faith by itself, unaccompanied by actions, is dead. The whole purpose of preparation isn't so we can just stand up and say, Ha ha, suckers, we knew it was coming. And humility is to reach out to those that are suffering with the love of God. And they will say, why are you doing this? Because we serve a king who knows every need. And I have exactly what you need. But you can't do this if you're not prepared, if you don't have provisions. Rebitz and I, I shared this earlier when this thing first started. In the midst of this pandemic, we helped out several of our neighbors. They were flustered. They got little kids. You know the deal, they couldn't get toilet paper. Still don't understand that, but ten minutes later I walk over and knock on the door. I give me eight rolls of toilet paper. Almost in tears. Why would you do this? Because it's who I serve. We're still doing it in the congregation even now. We're still keeping tabs on who has needs and can't find certain things, that have medical conditions that need certain things. We're still interceding. That's what it's all about. We're commanded by Yeshua to love our neighbors as what? Ourselves. I wish to share one more example of how preparing and having provisions supernaturally saved both a superpower and a small dysfunctional Jewish family of shepherds who'd one day become a nation. 
Yosef, the dreamer, the favored child of Yaakov, was vehemently hated, vehemently hated by his extremely jealous brothers who faked his murder and sold him into slavery to Egypt. What a family. When you read through Genesis, this is the, you think your family's bad? Nothing new under the sun. Even his own parents, Joseph, even his own parents rebuked him when he shares this dream of his entire family bowing before him. His dad said, whoa, 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 whoa. Pretty arrogant hotshot, huh? Well, that was the 20th century version, but. He sold into slavery, gets into the house of Potiphar. Potiphar sees the skills and becomes the manager of everything in Potiphar's household. And while he's there, Yosef is accused and jailed on false charges of sexual misconduct by Potiphar's wife. He loses everything again. He's in jail. But while he's in jail, Yosef's ability to interpret dreams, the dreams, matter of fact, of several jailed servants from Pharaoh's court, gave him an opportunity to personally meet the Pharaoh. Pharaoh was given a supernatural dream of what? Of coming famine. God was about to do something on the earth. And there's, there's always purpose. Look at me, there's always purpose. COVID-19 is not an act. God has a purpose. We don't know what it is yet, but He's got a purpose in this. God has a purpose in this. This famine coming up is going to draw the rest of His brothers and the rest of His family to Egypt and be saved. Where they are at, they will not survive the coming famine. God knows this. Pharaoh was given a supernatural dream by Adonai, coming famine, which Pharaoh or his ministers, they couldn't interpret. Joseph listened to what God revealed to Pharaoh. He told him what that dream meant. Seven good years of harvest, followed by seven years of extremely bad famine. By which Joseph boldly gives Pharaoh unsolicited, unsolicited instructions of what to do. That chutzpah could have cost him his life. In Genesis 41, starting at verse 33, Therefore Pharaoh should look for a man both discreet and wise to put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Pharaoh should do this, and he should appoint supervisors over the land to receive a 20% tax on the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. And they should gather all the food produced during these good years coming up and set aside grain under the supervision of Pharaoh to be used for food in the cities, and they should store it. This will be the land's food supply for the seven years of famine that will come over the land of Egypt so that the land will not perish as a result of this famine. The proposal seemed good to both Pharaoh and to all his officials. And Pharaoh, in verse 38, says to his officials, Can we find anyone else like him? The Spirit of God lives in him. He's a proper. Everyone else is laughing at this guy. But he's got what? The Spirit of God in him, and he foresees what's coming. And he tells them what to do about it. Verse 39, So Pharaoh said to Yosef, Since God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You will be in charge of my household. All my people will be, will be ruled by what you say. Only when I rule for my throne will I be greater than you. Pharaoh said to Yosef, Here I place you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Pharaoh placed Yosef over everything. Over all Israel to prepare to get ready. 
Even the nations around them survived because of his wisdom and discernment. He shared what was coming and shared what to do about it. Like a man of Ishakar, who were aware of the times and knew what to do about it. Once again, by preparing and storing up provisions, both Egypt and Israel were saved. Genesis 41, verses 47 through 49. During the seven years of abundance, the earth brought forth heaps of produce. He collected all the food of these seven years in the land of Egypt and stored it in the cities. The food grown in the fields outside each city, he stored in that city. And Joseph stored grain in quantities like the sand on the seashore, so much that they stopped counting because it was beyond measure. You know what we call him today? Crazy. He'd be labeled as a hoarder. He'd be labeled as an end-time fanatic. And yet, and yet, but all Israel was redeemed and saved through this insight and preparation. In all three examples, there's deep intimacy with Adonai. Who tells the bridesmaids, who tells Noah and Yosef to prepare, to store up provisions, to get ready. They listen. They shema. They're obedient and prepared. They're ready with provisions. The reason in all three of these biblical examples are to bring awareness of Adonai's salvation. To bring awareness that God is moving and about to do something upon this earth. Supernatural, sovereign moves of God happened in all three examples. From tonight, this very Shabbat, right now, July 24th, we are exactly eight weeks from Yom Teruah. Exactly. 56 days. Three years ago on Yom Teruah, the Revelation 12 sign appeared in the heavens on Yom Teruah. On Feast of Trumpets. I believe that was a sign of the Son of Man. It's the exodus sign Yeshua told us in Matthew 24:30 that profoundly and prophetically tells us that the end is near. Preceding that was the first total solar eclipse in August 2017, whose path of totality stayed completely in the United States, first time since 1776. In December 2017, it was announced our embassy would move to Jerusalem almost to the day, a hundred years earlier, when General Allenby liberated Jerusalem after 500 years of Muslim rule and oppression. And all these signs were what? Exactly three years ago. Three in the Hebrew is the letter Gimel, which represents completion. Torah begins and ends with the letter Gimel. We are at the culmination of the heavenly signs. As we know, there are many. We even back up to 2014 and 2015. Quad blood red moons. Pesach Sukkot. Pesach Sukkot. Adonai has been screaming at us for almost ten years. And most of the body... Because the enemy has lied to them. You don't need to study this. This has all been nailed to the cross. This is all done away with. And yes, God is exactly following His own calendar. Who's the liar? Oh, is it time to wake up? Well, we're painting Easter eggs and putting trees up. God is sovereignly moving and everyone's missing it. I actually had people in 2014, who cares, a blood red moon on Pesach, who cares? <laughs> well, obviously not you. My people perish for what? Lack of knowledge. It's the dumbing down of the body of Messiah. And most of it is bitten into it. Three years. And all these other signs. 
And all these signs appear to be pointing to this year's fall feast. If you've read Jonathan Kahn's Harbinger and Shemitah, you understand there's supernatural cycles of time that fall right on the fall feast. We're coming to a point of culmination. All signs point to this year's fall feast eight weeks from tonight. Eight weeks from tonight. The Lord's appointed times, the high holy days, the Moedim, the fall feasts which have not yet been fulfilled by Yeshua. Oh, get ready. Get ready. It's hard to even put 2020 into words other than apocalyptic. We began this year with Iranian forces attacking the U.S. Green Zone in Baghdad, almost started a war between us and Iran. Three days later, the U.S. forces assassinated Iran's top military leader, General Qassam Soleimani, known as one of the worst butchers ever. But this triggered major reprisals across Africa and the Middle East. Then January 8th, Iran fired ballistic missiles at the U.S. and Iraqi forces and shot down a passenger plane that they thought was one of our planes attacking them, killing 176 people on board. January 9th, a volcano in Mexico erupted, sending ash two miles in the air. On January 9th, Israel had record flooding, receiving the highest rainfall in the north in 51 years. Southern Israel, they exceeded a 76-year rainfall total. What's water but a sign of the blessings? And it was a hundredfold blessing pouring poured out upon Israel. And most of the world, they don't care. Who cares? Because Israel is the apple of God's eye. It's his time clock. And he's pouring his blessings out in this tiny nation, and people weren't paying attention. Then January 12th, another volcano near the Philippines erupted. First time since 1977, millions of lives are in danger. Then January 14th, record Australian bushfires. It burned an area bigger than England, Wales, and Northern Ireland combined. The whole southern hemisphere was burning. Then on January, the most craziest thing, on January 15th, the entire Russian government resigned. The whole thing, Kaputsky, they resigned. Completely did a whole new constitution and began the articles that would allow Putin to stay in power for another 36 years, which they just passed. Another communist dictator. January 16th, articles of impeachment were formally sent to the uh, U.S. Senate beginning the impeachment trial of President Trump. On January 28th, while we were in Israel... Trump and Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu unveiled the deal of the century, the Israeli peace plan to the world. The very hour that plan was released, there was a 7.7 magnitude earthquake in the Caribbean, shaking Mar-a-Lago, his Florida residence. Does this sound familiar? This is a warning tonight to President Trump and Jared Kushner. Woe to the person who strikes a land for peace deal. You're going to find out what the last 50 years of presidents have found out. You cannot take land for peace. You're poking God in the eye. Just this week, a 7.8 magnitude earthquake off the coast of Alaska. Triggering tsunami warnings up and down the west coast. We're experiencing record number of earthquakes around the world. Then January 31st, the United Kingdom became the first nation to succeed from the European Union, known as what? Brexit. On the same exact day, the Trump administration announced the United States would ban the admission of people who were in China 14 days prior to their attempted travel to the U.S., 
As the World Health Organization had reported the previous day, January 30th, that COVID-19 was a global pandemic. February 6th, the U.S. sees its first COVID-19 fatality in California. March 11th, Trump administration bans all European travel. March 13th, which declared a national emergency across the U.S., and we all go on quarantine and lockdown. COVID-19 placed global economies on the verge of collapse. China, North Korea, and Iran are on the verge of collapsing. China is in a crisis. And, and all the pulp and non-fake news you're listening to, the know on the inside, they are this good. We talked about this back in March. These are 70-year cycles where God builds and tears down nations. How long does the Soviet Union last? Exactly 70 years! Almost to the day. North Korea and China, this January, met their first formal People's Democratic Communist Republic of whatever they call themselves. January 1950. 70 years this year. Don't be surprised if you see these mighty titans. And we were just talking about this. Listen, most of us grew up, I never knew a non-divided Germany. I could have never comprehended a unified Berlin. My whole life there was east and west Germany, east and west Berlin. My whole life. One day we turn the TV on, the wall's coming down. What? We have an entire generation alive today who has no idea what the Soviet Union is. None. And in one day, the very empire that made us shake in our pants for 40 years, it's gone. The Lord raises up, He tears down nations. We're in another 70-year cycle with China and North Korea. Don't think we're not at war! Because they're here! Stirring the pot, seeking the destruction, demise, and the overthrow of this government. There's people in this room that have dedicated half their lives to the defense of freedom and this great republic. And we're this close to seeing the entire thing lost in the name of political correctness. Thank you for listening to Solace Radio. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and comment below. Those little things really help us out and continue to help our channel to grow. Stay tuned to Solace Radio.